the rainy season. Just another shitty day in paradise, as my father used to like to say. It was a day like any other routine. No freedom, no hope. My dad had just finished a story that was accepted for publication. Maybe there was hope after all. It turned out the editor would meet Dad in Acapulco to sign the deal. It was a spur-of-the-moment thing, and he had to act fast. Dad insisted that he would be back the next day, and that I was not to leave the house under any circumstances, and that the maid would stay late with me. My old man took off to Acapulco. I dodged the maid and went into town, knowing full well that I wasn't supposed to leave the house. I decided I would hang out with the guys in the rock and roll band. It turned out they had just landed a gig outside of town. So I begged, can I go, can I go please? They said no, but I persisted and persisted until they reluctantly agreed. The band leader pulled me aside and he spoke in a hushed and serious tone. The band was headed into somewhat dangerous territory, not at all like Cihuatanejo. We would spend the night, not returning until the following day. I let him know, and know in certain terms, that I was not afraid. I didn't really know any of the guys in the band well. And I grew more and more nervous as we climbed up the steep, narrow road that led deeper and deeper into the jungle, high, high up in the mountains. I could not show fear. It was growing inside of me as the darkness overtook our pickup truck and we bounced back and forth. The band's instruments were in the cab. We'd been driving for hours, but still had not reached our destination. I hadn't seen the light in so long I was starting to panic. Where the hell were we? Where were we going? Pickup truck broke down in the middle of nowhere. After many anxious attempts, we finally got it running again. And to my dismay, instead of heading back to Cihuatanejo, we continued deeper and deeper into the rugged mountains. It was nearing midnight when we finally reached the remote village. There was one light powered by a gas generator. We were greeted by a guy in a strange-looking outfit. The leader of our band made the introductions. The guy in the strange getup was immediately taken aback by the fact that the band leader had brought this gringo to their village. The band members tried their best to smooth things over, but there was still palpable tension. And despite my unease, I could show no fear. We unloaded our instruments and entered the tiny one-room school. We set up and, well, we played a song or two, but it was so late everyone was asleep. The bride and the groom had left hours ago. And I was being stared at by some very strange-looking guys. Still, I showed no fear. The leader called me to his table. He spoke deliberately, slowly. Afterwards, I realized I had no business being there. We quickly broke camp and put all the band's instruments in back into the truck. And that generator ran out of gas and our one light died. We were given two candles and directed to sleep on the floor. 
I could not sleep. During the night, two bats flew into the room, and after several minutes of them flying around my head, I grabbed one of the candles and I placed it by the door. I found the matches and I lit the candle. Within a few minutes, the bats disappeared. I heard the leader of the village that I'd spoken with earlier say, Eh, es inteligente este gringo, eh? I lay back down onto my blanket, never closing my eyes. I was just waiting for dawn. I had no weapons. I had no way to defend myself. I was nine years old. All I had was my bravado. When I rose, I walked down to the river. And while splashing water in my face, I saw a teenage girl come down to the water with a pot balanced on her head. She looked as though she'd seen a ghost. I smiled and greeted her in the customary manner. She was confused by my perfect accent. I walked closer to her, but she dropped the pot and ran off without getting her water. Perplexed, I walked back to the village. This is a very strange place. Men came out of their little shacks and stood and stared. And as the morning unfolded, I retreated to the little one-room schoolhouse. Local guys kept coming in and looking at me. I stood up each time and I made conversation with each of them. I made jokes. I suggested, hey, maybe we should get a McDonald's going up here. You know? They had no idea what I was talking about. But they started to laugh a bit. They thought it was funny that I would be so nonchalant considering my circumstances. I just kept on hoping that the band leader would announce finally it was time to get back on the road. For breakfast, we had cinnamon tea, rice, beans, and tortillas heated on a single burner propane stove. It took hours, but we finally finished and packed up our things. The band leader popped the hood of the truck, and one of the guys tried to turn the engine over. My heart sank. Nothing was dead. All the men in the village began to mill about, discussing what the problem might be. It was then that I noticed all the guns and the machetes that they were carrying. I chimed in with my two cents just to be safe, but frankly I was exhausted at this point. I had my eye on the three guys who had been talking about me at least for, I don't know, an hour or so. I sensed I was in real danger. I took another walk down to the river to kill some time and soon realized I was being followed. I doubled back and cut through the thick brush and it kept cutting my arms. I sprinted back to the truck. My macho had crumbled. And then I heard the engine kick over. I ran to the far side and jumped into the back of the truck, even though everybody else was still standing around. I saw the guys that had been following me coming up the hill towards us. I motioned to the band members, come on, climb into the truck, come on, come on. But they were in no rush. The three men stopped short of us and began talking. I was pleading with my eyes to the band leader, Ayúdame, por favor. Let's get out of here. He slowly started herding the band members towards the pickup truck. And then I saw one of the three guys that had followed me down to the river start spitting at the ground. Something was up. Everybody turned to listen to what he said. He spoke very loudly. The other two guys maneuvered around to the other side of our truck, effectively cutting me off. I had no hope of any escape. And then suddenly a truck pulled up out of nowhere in a cloud of dust. My old man jumped out, pumped his shotgun, and shouted, Amigos, ¿a dónde está mi hijo? The band leader shit his pants. The guys from the village all reached for their guns. 
and the leader of the village calmly told them not to move. He came around to the back of the pickup truck and he extended his hand to me. I jumped out, a scared little boy. I ran like a jackrabbit peeing my pants. I jumped into the safety of our GMC cab. My father backed up. His shotgun was leveled at the group. He got back in the truck with the shotgun still pointed at the men as they reversed out of there. It was a good hundred yards or so before he pulled the shotgun inside and spun our truck around. We hauled ass down the hill, bouncing so high that our uh, our heads were hitting the, the roof of the cab. Dad just floored it. It was just like in the movies. I cried like a baby. I couldn't stop shaking. It was a long road ride home in silence. It seemed to take as long as our drives to the border in Texas where we'd go to renew our tourist visas every six months. I was really shaken. I couldn't even apologize or make excuses. I just whimpered and sniffled. I was a coward, a fool. My dad was stoic. I had just spent the night in one of the most feared guerrilla camps in the entire state of Guerrero. No gringo had ever been there, at least not of their own free will. These camps were tightly held secrets. If not for the fact that our maid's brother knew of the camp's location, my dad never would have found me. Neither our maid nor her brother, or anybody else for that matter, was willing to make the ride up there with my dad. Our maid's brother and his recently discovered connection to the guerrillas would prove pivotal in our ultimate departure from Sihuatanejo a year later. These men were very dangerous. A person's life was worth maybe 50 bucks back then. The guerrillas of Guerrero were feared by all and routinely hunted by the Mexican army station in Sihuatanejo and Acapulco. Like all terrorists, kidnapping, ransoms, theft. This is how they made their money. And I had driven right into their camp. I had sat face to face with their leader. (laughs) After my dad rescued me, I couldn't even sleep for like two days. My father, he pretty much slept straight for the next couple of days. He had driven to Acapulco and returned the same night, which was unheard of. He later explained that he had a funny feeling in his gut while driving to Acapulco. With no phones in Sihuatanejo, he couldn't call. He cut his stay short and immediately returned driving all night, which he had vowed never to do because it was just too dangerous. Arriving before dawn, he discovered our panic-stricken maid in tears. Dad showed me the map that her brother had made for him. It was a miracle that he had found me at all. My career in rock and roll was over before it began.